I really hate to interrupt that. That's some, that's some good worship, but I got to tell you, uh, I, got, I got some good news for you today, and what I have to say is not what I have to say. Uh, it's what God, God's Word tells us, and it is every bit as good as what we just sang. I love the words to that last song, there is nothing better than you. I want you to hear that because that's a, that's a theme in God's Word today. So um, I, I just want to say, first off, we are here to party. Are you here to party today? Yeah, not party like, you know, be crazy for any other reason other than to glorify God. This is a day of celebration. And we're here to party because our Savior is risen from the dead, and we have life today. So today we're, we're going we're gonna to be partying, and I, I just want to take some time before we jump into God's Word, and I want to invite you, that this party, this party's been going on for thousands of years, this party is going to go on forever, but over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to party. My, my prayer is that we would continue to party every week, but I want to invite you. I know that some of you are here maybe for the first time. I want to invite you to come back. On the 18th, we're having an awesome baptism service where it'll be unlike any baptism service we've ever had at this church. And, and I just want you to know that there is reason to party today. And so, so join us again and again. God is doing awesome things in His church, in this church and the world around us. So happy Easter. It's good to be with you. I have, I have studied this sermon for a week now, and God has been just working in my heart. I, I mean, God's just been showing me things here, and I can't wait to share it with you. I want to warn you, I usually have about five pages. I've got seven today, so I'm going to try to... But listen, you guys are the ones that got a little extra sleep, not the 930 crowd. So I expect you to be with me, Okay. We're going to look at a parable today in Luke chapter 15. Our, our series that we're finishing today is the stories that shape us. And the idea here is that Jesus often taught, Jesus often helped his followers and the people around him understand the kingdom of God and understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. He used stories. And so these are the stories that Jesus used to teach the people around him. These are the stories that Jesus wants to use to teach us, to shape us into who he created us to be. Today we're in Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the parable of the prodigal son. On Good Friday, a couple days ago, Pastor Jay shared um, the first two parables in Luke chapter 15, the lost sheep and the lost coin. And this today is, is the third and the last parable in that chapter, and it, it builds up on it. So, so Jay spent a good bit of time, but I know a lot of you weren't here Friday, so I, I just want to make sure, I want to set the stage, I want us to get the context into which Jesus speaks this parable. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, say, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. All right, so, so let's get a picture. This is a, this is a crazy bunch of people that are gathered around Jesus. The people that he's telling this story to are, are a very wide variety of people. First, we have the tax collectors and the sinners. Let me explain to you a little bit about tax collectors they were the most hated, the, the lowest of the low. See, at, at that point, the people of God were being oppressed by the Roman government. And they hired 
The people of God, their own people, they hired the tax collectors from the people to tax their own brothers and sisters. So when we're talking about tax collectors, it's not just what we, none of us like paying taxes, right? Do you like paying taxes? No, paying taxes isn't fun. But we're not just talking about someone that takes taxes. We're talking about someone who was an absolute traitor to their own people. Not only did they work for the oppressive, horrible government, but they also stole extra. So they're basically funding the oppression, but they're also taking extra so that they can put it in their pocket and they can get rich. So the people look at the tax collectors and the sinners as the lowest of the low. These are traitors. These are awful people. Then we have the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Let me tell you about these people. They are religious. I mean, they are, they do exactly what the law of God says. In fact, they go above and beyond. These people were so religious. I mean, they, if, if God said to do it, they did it. And they checked those boxes. And the religious, the religious elite, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they looked at themselves as righteous, as holy, as set apart from others. So we've got this situation where we've got the lowest of the low, the hated tax collectors and sinners, and we've got the religious elite who are sitting there and they're looking at them and they start muttering to each other. They lean over and they say, oh, this Jesus, he actually welcomes those people, the sinners, the traitors, How can this Jesus welcome those people into this place? That's the setting for this. But but I don't want you to miss this because I think these words are really important. When they say Jesus, this Jesus welcomes sinners, that word welcome is actually the word prosdecomai. And that word is used other times in Luke's gospel, and every time it's used, it doesn't just say welcomes. The other times it's used, it says to eagerly await, to be excited for, to look for, to go after. And so not only does he, it's not just like Jesus lets these lowly tax collectors and sinners come in. It's that Jesus is actually going after them. If he's sitting at a table, he wants them at the table with him. He's actively, eagerly going after the lowest of the low. And so we have this crazy party. We've got the lowest of the low. We've got a Jesus who eagerly goes after them. And we've got the religious elite who say, how can he do that? And that's the... That's the setting for this story in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. I just want to warn you, this is a pretty long story. Stick with me here. You can follow along on the screen. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country 
who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. Listen to this. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I'll tell you what I'll do. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. This is where it gets really good. But while he was still far off, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you, and against, I've sinned against heaven, and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father... But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son, when this son of yours, listen to how he says this, when this son of yours, who squandered your property and with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What a great story. Man, there is so much in this story. It's why I have seven pages of notes. This is good stuff. If you're sitting here today, I just want to say, if you are sitting here today, this is really good news for you. So what we're going to do, we've, through this series, we've looked at the characters in the story and what Jesus is trying to teach us through them. So, so we're going to look at three characters, the three main characters in the story, but, but I think today we've got to add in a fourth character. And so at the end, I want to tell you about the fourth character in the story And the really good news. So let's start with the first. Now remember who Jesus is telling the story to. The story is being told to the lowest of the low, the failures, the tax collectors, the traitors, and the Pharisees, the religious elite. And so it starts with the first character, the prodigal son. 
This guy in the story represents anybody who finds themselves on this side, a traitor, the lowest of the low, a sinner. I just want to say today that every single one of us in this room, I don't care how many years you've come to church, I don't care how good you think you are now, every single one of us in this room at one point was here. We were traitors. We had a God who loved us, a God who gave us everything, and we traded it. See, see what happens is the, the prodigal son goes to his father and he says, Father, give me my inheritance. Now, think about how messed up this is. It doesn't say that the father's about to die. It's, it doesn't even say that the father's sick. But this younger son goes to the father and says, Father, give me what's mine. How ridiculous is that? Inheritance is not something that you've earned. It's something that the father has earned that's a gift to you. And the younger son, before the father even dies, goes and says, give me what you owe me. Give me my stuff. Basically what he's saying is, I would rather have your stuff and go than stay and be there with you. He is a traitor. He is choosing stuff, the inheritance, over his father. The prodigal son cared more about the wealth of inheritance than he did his own father. He's a traitor. He's, oh, he's the lowest of the low. This is the audacity of sin. Hear that again. This is the audacity of sin, that we would go to the creator God and that we would want our stuff, that we would trade the creator God. We would say, give me what you owe me, which is nothing, by the way. Give me what you owe me. I'm going to go do it my way. And we trade in the creator God, our father, for stuff. And so this is what the tax collectors had done. They, they traded in their own people for stuff. This is what we've all been guilty of at one point or another is we have been traitors that have traded the God of eternity, the creator, for stuff. And the father, in this story, this is amazing. What, what would you say if, if your son, like what would I say if one of my sons came to me today and said, give me my inheritance, I'd say, get outside. <laughs> no, no thanks. Get out of here. The father gives him the inheritance. That's incredible to me. This father loves his son so much that, that he goes ahead and gives him the inheritance. And what happens? The son's desire for stuff, the son's desire for freedom, leads him out to a wild time. He has a blast. It says he goes out and he squanders it with wild living, and it's all good for a little while but he squanders it all away. And, and what he had, the wealth, a father who is wealthy that loves him, he traded it for stuff that he immediately threw away. And see, the stuff is temporary. And soon, he's broke, and he's lost, and he's miserable. So think about this again. A son who had a father who was wealthy, who took care of him, who was good to him, that loved him, traded all that in to have some stuff that he squandered, and now his plan is, I'm going to go get a job, and he gets a job tending 
pigs. Do you see that this is not a good trade? And he's left empty. It says there that he longed to fill his stomach with the food that the pigs were eating. Oh, so what does he do? He knows he's blown it. He's empty. He's hurting. He longs for pig food. What does he do? It says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. You know what he did? When he blew it, when he ended up empty, when he ended up lost, when he was a traitor, he did what we call repenting. He repented of his sin. This is important because every single one of us have been at this place and there may be some people in here who are at this place right now where we've traded a creator God who loves us and gives us everything for stuff. And where that leads is emptiness and brokenness and pain. And you know what we need to do? We need to do what the prodigal son did. He repented. Three things. Verse 17 says he came to his senses. You have to realize the error in your ways. Realize that you've traded something better for something temporary and wasted. So he comes to his senses. Number, uh, number two, in verse 18 and 19, it's, it says that he is humbly broken and he says, I am no longer worthy to be called a son. He's blown it. He comes to his senses. He realizes that he is completely unworthy. The next thing he does is, is a mistake in his thinking. He thinks, I'm going to go work to have a little bit. See, he knows he's blown it. He can't be a son anymore. So now I'm just going to go back and I'm going to work and maybe I'll have a little bit better life than I do now. But the fourth thing, and this is important, he goes back to the father. Listen, if there's anyone in here today that would say, I feel completely unworthy. I've traded a loving father who has everything and gives me everything for stuff, and I'm a traitor, and I'm broken, and I'm lost. If that's you here today, you need to come home to the father. He got that right. See, our sin, we've all been here. Our sin demands repentance. So the son comes home, which brings us to our second character, the father. Who is the father? The father is God. If the first son, the prodigal son, is the tax collectors and the sinners, then the father is our father in heaven, God. And so we see this, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is telling us who God is. And the son starts in with his plan. I'm going to repent. I'm going to try to work my way back. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Get the ring. Put a ring on his finger. The ring on his finger means he's a part of the family. Put sandals on his feet. 
Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. How does the father respond to the son coming home? He celebrates. He welcomes him back openly. And they began to celebrate. I love this. See, how many of us have been in this spot where we know we've blown it completely? And we're just slinking back knowing that we're unworthy, knowing we're in big trouble, and and we come crawling back, knowing that we're unworthy, knowing that we're in big trouble. It says when the father saw, when he was far off, the father sees him, and the father goes running. Let me tell you, in this day, fathers didn't run like this. It was undignified. This guy's wealthy. He owns a ton of stuff. He's not, it's it's undignified to run, but he loves his son so much and he has compassion on him and he sees his son far off and he runs with abandon because he's so excited to have his son home. The son tries to pitch the plan and the father says, I'm not having it. I don't need it. I don't need you to work your way back. I know you've blown it. That's okay. Get the best robe. What's the best robe? It's the father's best robe. Go get my best robe and give it to the son that squandered a third of my wealth. Get the best robe. Get a ring. Let's make sure he is a part of our family and knows it. Go get sandals. Put them on his feet. And go get that fattened calf because we're going to celebrate today. This is telling us something very important about our God. You may feel unworthy, You may have blown it, you may have missed it, you may be far off, you may be begging for food that pigs eat. If you will repent, God eagerly awaits the return of his prodigals. God eagerly awaits the return of his prodigals. This is Jesus, doesn't just welcome people in, Jesus goes after them. This is how God feels about these people he eagerly waits. He runs after them. And so, so the party starts. And this is where we get our third character, the older son. So if the, if the prodigal son is the tax collectors and sinners, and if the father is God, then this is the, the other son, the older son, and he represents the, ta- the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and the self-righteous religious elite who think they're better than the other people who think because they followed the rules, because they've done exactly what God said, because they've come to church, because they've prayed, because they've read their Bible, because they've done this, because they've done that, they are worthy. And the older son comes into the picture and it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. He heard the party. It's a good party if you hear it from far off. And he hears it, and he asks a a, a servant, he says, what's going on? And the servant says, your brother's come home, and so we've killed the fattened calf, and we're partying. Look at verse 28, says the older brother. How do the self-righteous, how do the religious elites, the people that feel like they're better than those people, the people that feel like they've earned it themselves, how do they react to sinners coming home? The older brother became angry. And refused to go in. Refused to go in. And I love this next part. See, we, we talked about the fact that, that the father runs after the prodigals, right? 
And we see in in Scripture that Jesus is pretty tough on the religious, self-righteous people. Look at what happens. So the father went out and pleaded with him. See, the father doesn't just love the broken, the sinners. The father comes after the religious elite, the tax, I mean, the Pharisees, the teachers, the people that have just missed it because they've made it about them. The father still comes after them. And the brother, the Pharisee, answered his father and says, look, all these years, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you have not even given me a young goat to party with my friends. And he refused to go into the party. The father runs after him, but but the truth is that the older son, the self-righteous, the Pharisees, look at the sinners, they look at Jesus, and they say, if that's what it is, I don't want it because I'm better than that. I earned my spot. I did what you said. I never disobeyed. And you never gave me a young goat. Oh, man. Two things we see in in the older son. Number one, the older son thinks he is better than the younger son. He thinks he's he's self-righteous. He thinks he looks down. He says, those people don't belong, but I do. The second thing is this. The older son is... I I never saw this before. The older son is just as infatuated with the inheritance as the younger son. They go about it different ways. The younger son says, give it to me so I can go do my thing. But the older son says, I've obeyed you my whole life so that I could get this inheritance. Do you hear what he's saying there? He doesn't care about the father. He doesn't love the father. He has done the right things so that he could get his inheritance. And now he's mad because the brother that didn't do the right thing is still getting more, and here he is. He deserves it. He did what was right. He's better than him. And the father, oh, that father. Oh, man. He essentially says, I've behaved my whole life to get the stuff. He represents a lot of Christians today. There are a lot of Christians in our world that think by doing the right thing and by obeying, they're going to get the stuff. That's what it's about for people sometimes. I hope it's not you. They obey, they come to church, they read their Bible, they pray, because they think by doing that, that means they're going to get the inheritance, but they miss the whole thing. They miss it. And they're not even willing to go into the party because they don't like what the party stands for. Is this not the most ridiculous thing? Think about this. The older brother says, you never even gave me a a young goat, so I'm gonna skip the party with the fattened calf. How silly is that? If If he wants the fattened calf, it's right there for him. And the father is pleading with him, inviting him back. But he misses it. Because all he cares about is himself. See, the reason the older brother misses it is because it's not about him. It's not about his good works. See, he thinks the fattened calf is for him because of what he's done, but that's 
That's not what it is. See, the father responds, all I have is yours. All I have is yours. I love this father. Do you love this father? This is a good father. He doesn't say, get out of here. He says, son, all I have is yours. And that's literally true because the first son would have had a third of the inheritance because he's younger. Guess what the the older son gets? He gets the other two thirds. Literally, all the father had was his. But here's the thing. They were both infatuated with the stuff. The real inheritance that we're supposed to see in this is not the stuff. See, see, Christians talk a lot about streets of gold, and they talk a lot about mansions and glory, and they talk a lot about jewels in their crown, and hey, if I'm good, I'm going to get the stuff. You don't get it. The real inheritance is a loving father who invites you in, who runs after you every day, and that stuff is, it's nothing. It's, oh, nothing is better than you, the Father, is what it's all about. He invites him in, but the son misses it. See, what's the most valuable thing in this parable? What's the most valuable thing to us? The greatest inheritance that we have is the gift of a loving Father who shares everything with us. Not just a Father who sits back when we blow it or when we think we're too good for everything else. Not a father that sits back and says, earn it back. Not a father who sits back and enjoys watching us slink back. Not a father who enjoys seeing us suffer. A father that runs after us. A father that continues to invite us to a party with the fattened calf. That's our inheritance. See, Jesus tells these stories and he's trying to to contrast God's kingdom versus our kingdom. See, in our kingdom, you get what you deserve, and if you blow it, then you just have to do the best you can to get back to where you are. But God's kingdom isn't like that. God's kingdom, we have a loving Father who chases after us, who loves us and wants to give us everything. Everything I have is yours. Which brings us to the fourth character, the bonus character, if you will. See, without this bonus character this kingdom wouldn't work for us. The bonus character is Jesus. The older brother, not that we see in the story, the older brother that we had to have. See, Jesus was God's own son. And he did all the things right, not because he wanted to earn things. He did the things right because he loved the father and he knew what was important. And so Jesus is our older brother. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, Jesus owned it all. Jesus had it all. He had all I have is yours. He was living in the kingdom. It was all good and we blew it. See, we chose this. We chose the thing that left us broken. But Jesus had it all. And he chose to enter into our brokenness, to give it all up, to die on a cross so that we could come home. Oh, the stakes of that cross are so big. 
I know some of you came to church because it's what you do on Easter. I know some of you came to church and you were busy, but I want you to understand that this cross is no small thing. This is our Lord and Savior who traded it all so that we could come home. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Listen to this who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. He wasn't sitting over here saying, I'm in very nature God, that's for me. No, he didn't use it to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, without the cross, without our brother, older brother Jesus, who gave it all for us, we couldn't come home. But Jesus paid the price so that we could come home. What did Jesus want for us? It wasn't just streets of gold. It wasn't just wealth. It wasn't the stuff. John 17. Jesus says, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them, listen to what Jesus prays for, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one, as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Jesus doesn't pray for stuff. Jesus doesn't pray for, for mansions. Jesus doesn't pray for wealth for us. Jesus prays that we would be in complete unity, not just with each other, but with the Father who loves us, the Father who runs after us. So here's the thing. Some people in this room are right here. They're lost. They're traitors. They're broken. They've blown it. Maybe you are in the tax collector, the sinner seat. Today I've got good news for you. What needs to happen is you need to repent. You need to come to your senses, you need to understand your unworthiness, and you need to go home to your father. Good news is this, the father comes running after you. But some people in this room maybe have gotten to the place that, that we're really good. We've done all the things, we've obeyed the rules, we've shown up to church, we've done everything we needed to do so that we can get the inheritance, but we've missed the fact that the true inheritance is our Father. If this is you, you need to repent of your self-righteousness. You need to come to your senses, you need to understand that you are not worthy in yourself, and you need to come home. And if you do, the Father comes running to wrap his arms around you. Listen, I want to pray for us right now. I want to pray for us. And I just want to tell you that we're here to party today, but if you're in either one of these seats and you fail to repent, you're going to miss the party.
you're going to miss it. I want to invite you today to come home to a father that loves you, to a father that hasn't stopped running after you, a father that chases you, a father that gives you everything. If that's you today, just pray with me. Just repent. Father, I thank you for this party. I thank you for each person that's come here today, Lord. Regardless of why we came here, we're in the right place. But Lord, if there's anybody in this room right now who's missed it, who's blown it, who's lost, I pray that they would come to their senses, they would realize their unworthiness, and they would come home. Or if there's anybody in here, Lord, that's made it about themselves, that's self-righteous, that thinks it's all about them and they've missed it, Lord, I pray that they would come to their senses, they would realize their unworthiness and they would come home. And Father, I thank you that today if anybody's in that spot and we repent, I thank you that you are a father that comes after us. You run after us. You put the robe on us. Father, do the work that needs to be done in the hearts of anybody who's missing it. I thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. In Jesus' name. Here's the best part, I'm not done. The best part is this, our Savior, Jesus, gave it all up to die on a cross, to be obedient, even to death on a cross, but death wasn't the end for him. This is so good. He became obedient to death on a cross, but three days later he rose from the dead, and death became obedient to him, and he became over everything. Listen to the second part of Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, remember he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that, that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is alive today, and he offers us life today. There's a party going on. It's going on right here. It's been going on for thousands of years. It's going to go on for eternity. And you're invited in. You're invited in. Come on in. The fattened calf's ready. Come on home. You can receive the inheritance. And today, it's not that you're going to get rich. It's not stuff. It's not any of that. It's that the Father will run after you and wrap his arms around you and say, everything I have is yours.